We are all trying to handle this forced reset we've had, and we are finding that we are way less interested in compromising our values. Has that happened to you too? This has set in motion the great resignation. Sandy and I talk about why this is happening and what the future could possibly hold. I hope you enjoy all of the research we did and the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sandy. Good morning, Amy. Happy October. How are you? Good. Fall has come. Fall has come. Did you get your decorations up? Did. It was so exciting. They're all up. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, scents are going. Um, yeah, very, very good. And uh, even my shirt, my stepson goes to Oregon State. And the benefit is their colors are orange and black. So, you know, look, I've got my ah. shirt on. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm wearing my Halloween gear. How about now, you? Did, I, yep. We are shifting gears ready for fall. It's 80 degrees here today and I'm going golfing this afternoon, but you know, uh, I know fall is just around the corner. Did you get snow no. recently? No. no. Okay. We've noticed, um, snow up in the mountains. You know, you yeah. Get some white caps coming. So I saw a little bit happening in your area. So I was curious. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the great resignation. You kind of brought this up in the last podcast and, um, I, then you told me to do some research. And so of course I did some research, very interesting. What's happening right now. It's fascinating. And I've been, I've been following this topic and reading about it. And this is, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it more. I, I think for me, you know, with the great resignation, you know, linking it to COVID number one, the other thing is, is this isn't new. This is pretty typical of what happens when a big event happens, either personally or we're seeing it more globally because of the pandemic and the difference between the psychological side of staying versus the mechanical side. And I feel like so often people focus on the mechanical side and turnover. And this really is more the psychological side. And I think the other side, Amy, is just talking with people, you know, co between coaching people, talking to people, the number one thing that I'm hearing, I mean, it's real, it's not fake news. You know, what I'm hearing over and over again is I didn't go back. I don't want to go back. I really want to do something different. I want to do something completely different. Um, my office is no longer what it used to be. So I'm hearing those things. I mean, are you hearing outside of the research? Is it resonating with you and what you're hearing and seeing too? Yes. And I'm, uh, I was reading the newspaper this morning and I had done some research prior to this, but the, in the newspaper this morning, uh, Kellogg's, the employees at Kellogg's are on strike here locally. And there was an article about it. And this one sentence in the article resonated with me from what I've been hearing from everybody. And it says after a difficult 18 months, which saw many workers putting in 12 hour shifts and mandatory overtime to meet pandemic demand. Now that part, the overtime specific to Kellogg's employees are in no mood to compromise. So true. I, I have, that is so true. It's, it's fascinating. You know, you, you always say I'm doing the research, this topic, I go down ferret holes, like you wouldn't believe because I keep reading <laughs> different things. And then what I hear 
what I read and what I experience are two different things because what I keep hearing. So I'll give you an example. You talk about Kellogg's in Omaha. In Durango, we're a tourist city. So restaurants, uh, those lower paid, high demand jobs are very, very important here. So waiters, waitresses, uh, workers at the ski lodge, workers at the train station, they can't fill those positions. The complaint I keep hearing is, well, once they get rid of that unemployment, we'll be fine. It's all the unemployment. And I kept saying over and over, oh, it's much deeper than that. And so what's happened, that extra unemployment has been gone for over a month and there's been no change in our workforce. And we have a, there's other issues for us. It's the issues are always deeper than they look like at the surface. Housing is an issue. Affordable housing is a huge issue here, but frankly, people don't want to do those jobs anymore. And they're finding other, the economy is good enough that they can work other jobs that fit their lifestyle. And they don't want to go back to that type of work. People don't want to fill the more undesirable jobs anymore. And it's not just, oh, they're getting that unemployment. No, COVID changed how people look at what they want to do and how they want to spend their days. Yes. 18 months of meditation, Amy. Right, right. They, they, challenge. they are no longer willing to compromise. They're now valuing different things aside from just that paycheck. They're valuing their time. They're valuing their health. They're valuing... Um, just a different stuff, which and is what they thought made them happy at work. When you're away from it, just like we talked about buying things, there's so many things that we're away from, from relationships that weren't fulfilling. We didn't start them up again when COVID was done. Right. I mean, we kind of got a restart, a forced right. restart and things that seemed great for work. They just realized they hated the commute. You know, that's something I hear a lot. Oh my gosh. I don't want to commute anymore, or I don't want to do it every day. And I didn't think it was important for me to do my kids' laundry and be there for them every morning for quiet time before school. And I like that extra time with my kids. I don't want to be on the road. I don't want to deal with childcare issues like I used to. I want something with women. I'm hearing lots more about flexibility and less chaos. Right. You know, based on some of our other conversations, you go moms, you know, it right. would have been interesting to see how you and I would have reacted to that if we would have been in the heat of having kids in grade school and junior high, would we, and our careers flourishing, would we have felt that way? And juggling um, the needs that have happened because of COVID, whether it's helping to school your child, which I know in 2020, a lot of people were doing, or, you know, like I just recently had a colleague whose daughter tested positive for COVID and she is like, all right, we're in 10 days quarantine, you know? And so she's pulling her kids out of the activities. They're, they're now all at home, like all, like <laughs> the stuff that that one test positive and her being sick put the whole family flipped them upside down for 10 days. And you have to be, have that flexibility in your work and in your life to be able to shift gears so quick mm -hmm. without it creating total chaos. Are you in what you do for professional standpoint? Are you getting asked the question or even from friends? 
Is this something that you're finding yourself faced with coaching other people on? Um, not really. Like usually I'm occasionally I will say I help people, uh, strategize how to, when they get flipped upside down, like how to navigate what they have to give up and stuff like that. And occasionally I have a conversation when they're coming back into it of, okay, what's important, what's not important. I have had a lot of those conversations lately of, you know, I worked with people pre pandemic, everything shut down and now we're coming back into busy, everything starting back up and balancing and, you know, having them go through an exercise of reflecting of what was really important during that time. And, you know, are you still willing to, um, prioritize different things than what you did pre pandemic. So there is a little bit of that discussion going on. I would say, how about you? I like that word. The word that keeps coming up with you is prioritization. And that's so important. It it is coming up a lot with me in family, with friends. And I, a lot of the research is to help complement some of my core beliefs in looking at it, you know, back to this series being on change and embracing change part of it is making a decision on what that change means. And I think too often people's knee-jerk reaction is, I have to figure out a way to quit my job. I have to find a different job, but I think you really need to assess your situation in a way that's constructive. So can the changes be made in your current situation? Can you go part-time? Can you, what's not bringing that happiness? Because at the end, it's all about what's bringing us joy and happiness and fulfilling those innate needs. There was an article that came through from Fortune magazine, and it was funny because I saw it somewhere, but it was one of those that they let you read about three paragraphs, and then they want you to buy. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point that it talked about there are six reasons why people are leaving. It's bigger than the great resignation. There are six people why people, there are six reasons why people are leaving their jobs and you're never going to guess what they are. Uh, what was funny is then I thought, okay, I'll pay the six bucks. No, they wanted a whole year, you know, at $6 a month, and then you can cancel. So I'm like, forget that. When I looked at the article, I noticed that they got all their data from a white paper. Did you see in your research, anything about job embeddedness? No, I did not. So the term job embeddedness. So this article that intrigued me, uh, I went, I went and found those authors of job embeddedness, which is used a lot in organizational management. And, you know, a lot of it's dry, but if you look, you'll find it in different places, but it was written in 1995. And it really talks about this, instead of focusing on turnover, which is more of an action and why people quit. And, and it's more the psychological of all factors of that person inside and outside the office that make them feel, uh, associated with that job that they want to stay. So it's more the psychology of the person and how their needs are being fed, which complements my core curriculum, which is value cubed, three times value, you know, yeah. what your core values are. And it's it, the, the relationship of valuing others and feeling valued yourself. Well, this job embeddedness really does a deep dive into that value of a human and how they associate that with a job. And what they do is they take, the core of it is that they take um, 
they take three key components, which are link, fit, and sacrifice. So link is, you know, how you're connected, fit, how you're fitting in, and the sacrifices you're making, but then what's important both on and off the job. So they really come down to seven key measurements on whether somebody is embedded in a job. So embedded in a job might be a predictor of turnover, but the, the job embeddedness is what is creating this great resignation right now, because people have taken the time to look at these things and their feelings are top of mind and they've been away from it, which creates this, am I feeling this? So am I a fit to the community? Is this community at work a good match for me? Am I fit for the organization? Do my skills and what I'm doing a contribution here, a link to the community, to communities for yourself, do, do I own a house? Do I have my own office at work? You know, that own sense of community, the link, links to organization. How long have you been there? You know, that's a big thing. How much have you invested? How long have you been there? And then um, community-related sacrifice, is it going to be hard for me to leave as it relates to the organization? And organizational-related sacrifice, you know, will, will I get promoted? What does the growth look like? But it's all those embedded things of that personal journey. And I love these measurements because back to when people, or when somebody says to me, I don't like my job, I think I need something different, kind of going through some of those questions will right. answer that, do I bring value or am I just doing a job to do a job? Am I, yeah, have I got promoted? Is there upward mobility? Can I go talk to my boss and see if I work three days a week? It helps break it down rather than making a sudden answer to jumping on the bandwagon of everybody I know is doing something new. So maybe that's going to bring me happiness. It's a thoughtful step process to see. I would, what would be interesting. I think if we keep digging, I wonder if there's some sort of a test to see how embedded you are in your job and which ones have a greater, that would be very interesting. That would be interesting. And I love those. Was it seven questions about yep. how you're linked? Because you're right. When somebody says I'm not happy in in this spot there's usually probably one of those things out of sync maybe two maybe three but if it's only one then is it fixable right and do you try to fix it or do you go somewhere else and i think that's uh those are really good questions right because back to fixable i always say you know then i i pare it down to make it easy you know the value the value cube. There are certain ones that are just, if it goes against your core values, you right. know, uh, not fixable. <laughs> this is a common example, brought everybody back to work when early on with nobody requiring masks, they don't really care about anybody. I have kids at home. My parents are susceptible. And, you know, I saw something I didn't see before in the company I worked at. Right. Uh, right. Uh, they made everybody come back, you know, things like that, Wh which things are, uh, against your core values, but even the valuing other people and feeling that you're valued, have you pushed far enough to see if there are ways to change the circumstance, including yourself? Are you valuing, how, how is that equation working within the community of your work or even the community of your home? Because unless you want to go 100% back to working at home all the time, that's not always feasible. That's not always feasible. But I, yeah, I, 
it's right now, I, now we're talking out loud. I'm like, gosh, it would be interesting to put this in more of a question format and a weighting scale, similar to the time, uh, the, um, the wavelength, the work wavelength exercise, mm -hmm. very right. similar to, to at least pinpoint where the issue is and right. see if it's a workable issue in your current circumstance, rather than making it a complete 180 and doing something, either doing something different and maybe that's what needs to be done, but it's, it's, it's all about the careful reflection and the steps to get to that point. Yes. And just understanding that people, we're all in a, at a point in this over the last year and a half of low tolerance for things that don't align with our values. Like there's just, we're, we're able to opt out of things easier, I think than what we used to be able to. And, um, so we're not, we're not as willing to compromise on things that are important to us because we can opt out. So you have to balance that with making that decision. So is it the moment in time or am I going to be okay in a month or two? Does that make sense? Like we're, our, our, our levels of, um, compromise and, are, we're just less uh, agreeable, I would say. Yes. And I, I love what you just said about being in touch with our values, because see, I'm just loving this side, this after effect of COVID, because I feel that there's a great benefit that people are more in touch with their value factor about yeah. what they bring, what they, what, what's important to them. When we get on that hamster wheel, we forgot we forget to look at what is valuable because what's valuable is to get through our days. That's not true value. True value is not just going through the motions, going through the days and checking it off the box. So that reflection ha has made people much more intentional about what they value, but they can't overreact to it either. They've got overreact. to overreact in a good way. I agree with what you said. Like that the time has given people the opportunity to define what their values are. Like sometimes we were so busy and just going through all the motions and the life script and doing what we thought we had to do. This pause gave everybody a chance to say, all right, these are my values. And maybe I'm going to stand firm in this now. And then, so now there's some movement on jobs marriages like there's so many things that are like happening right now <laughs> you know just with everybody um i was reading one of the things with jobs the reason so many people are quitting now and interesting enough you know i thought is this the younger people who are quitting is this older people retiring out and I, there was another article in the paper today. I was like, well, good thing I read the paper this morning before we chatted, <laughs> but there was another one about the, um, the unemployment rate and I cut off the title of it. So I, I took a snapshot of it. So I don't know what the title was, but they said that most of the people who have been quitting their jobs are actually the, the 30 to 45 year olds interesting right the mid-career level people is what they said end of career they're either holding out until they retire or and then the younger ones are still kind of not sure 
because entry level job they're if they're in entry level jobs they're just not quitting as the rate of the 30 to 45 year olds which i thought was interesting the other thing they said in this article was one of the reasons it started happening this summer is a lot of people might have been ready to quit you know march 2020 exactly. and just said yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. So um, they waited until, you know, they're wait they waited out the pandemic, the worst part of it to see where everything went with the economy and stuff. It follows exactly in my theory. I've got this theory that uh, and whether it's mine or not, I don't know. I picked it up from <laughs> that if marriages were strong going into the pandemic, they were stronger when they left it. And if they were on the bubble, they ain't going to make it. And same with businesses, the businesses, if a business was, you know, in good or good, great shape before, but the ones that were on the bubble that maybe just didn't want to be in business anymore, that what weren't quite sure what they wanted to do, uh, were looking to sell, weren't going to make it. And I think employer employee relationships fall in that same bucket. If it was on the bubble, it's not going to stay. Uh, that inaction is pushed. And the, the interesting thing about the great resignation is how this is not new and how they go back with any time there is usually it's, it's pushed by a change. Anytime there is a big change in the world that causes self-reflection or basically stops time where people you know, 9-11, they're forced to look at what their lives look like. This happens, but I'll tell you, it also happens on the individual level, but we don't notice it as much because it doesn't hit the unemployment numbers. Uh, but it happens when people go through life changes. This exact same thing happens when uh, a child dies, uh, parents get sick, um, a divorce happens. And I'm a great example for this. When I read through this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so me. I had my own great resignation. My right. video, great resignation, <laughs> you know, back yeah. 12 years ago or 10 years ago, or however long it was. And I looked at things like, do I fit into this community? Do I, and, you know, when you have a change, things are different, no different than COVID things are different, right. your health differently than you did before it happened. But I was now a single woman in an organization that was primarily married couples, um, I was dating someone from another state. I didn't want to work yeah. many hours. You yeah. know, all those criteria, it, it'll be an interesting study and I'm going to do this. I'm going to map each of these questions like the thinking wavelength where it's one to 10. And I'm going to try to answer that how I felt before my great resignation and after with both with two of the big organizations that I left. And I bet it will show a, a pretty big decline and that would have come with the change in my life. So it'll be a good case study on myself. I love that. Send it to me too. I think it's interesting. Um, or I can do it. Just send me the questions. No, I'll send because, you really easy. Cause I've got the, yeah. cause this follows the, the, the thinking wavelength. You ask yourself the questions. Do I like ambiguity? Do I right. like decision? It's same thing. And yeah it's a great tool because you come down to the bottom and it's like, uh, I'm not as much of a risk taker as I thought I was. And here, you know, do I, how, how much do I really think I want change or I want to quit my job? 
how unhappy really am I at my job? Because I think you focus on the one that's bad and you forget the others, or maybe you find out you're deeply unhappy, right? Right. All right. So I just read an article and um, the great resignation is not done. This was published the end of August and it said 55% of Americans anticipate looking for a new job. That's over half of the country. So I'm curious what this looks like. So what does this look like in five years? Are, are we going to be in a better place or are we just going to be back into the same place we were in five years? I think it's going to turn HR upside down. It's going to turn some of the organizational and part of this is generational, what they want to do and how you're going to retain those, let's just say 20 to 40 year olds, right? Yeah. Um, I find, and I'm going to be judgy Judy here a little bit, uh, that HR has turned into more of a legal, it, it, it goes one of two ways. It's very legal and compliance driven. You know, we fire someone, we don't have a conversation because we'll get in trouble if we do that, even though it's people change, they leave jobs, you know, everything becomes uh, a compliance type issue, or it's, we're going to have sleeping rooms and ping pong tables and you know, basically fraternity and sorority graduate to the, the work place, which all the studies I've read show that that people don't want that anymore. They don't want the soft, boofy stuff. They want time. They want depth. They want flexibility and um, human capital. I, I think how HR, human capital, organizational management is going to change. Um, and I think yeah. it's be driven by the younger generation. That's just me speculating. And I also think it will be interesting, uh, women, women's roles, uh, what that looks like, because the statistic I read was, I think women, oh, it's really high. I think it was, so you said 57%. And again, I don't remember the date of this article were looking or actively thinking about changing their job. But women were, if you look just at women, they were like 60 to 70%. It was way higher. The men were under the 50%. Maybe they were 30, women were 70. And a lot of it had to do with what they dealt with because they were, when COVID happened, they took on the primary responsibility in the kids, in the schooling, in, you know, when can I back to daycare, juggling the jobs. And they were definitely looking at things differently. Um, and then all the studies on the glass ceilings and promotional. And I actually had somebody say to me that, um, you know, there's somebody they listen to their guru and, and both he and his wife were telling me how the women, the studies that women are not getting the high, that they're not getting promoted at the same rate as men getting paid. That's really the women's choice because women uh, by their nature, want to be with their kids. Cause this is because this is the statistics off. Cause women really want to be home with their kids. Hey, not denying that that happens. Right. But to say in blanket that, 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 that is an incorrect statistic because people, women innately don't want to work or don't want to have careers is right. crazy. And yeah. I like it because to me, when I heard that, okay, again, back to, okay, don't give me blanket comments. 
That's not how the world is run. But when I link that to women and the great resignation is I hope that there's a push for those that want some of both, right? That there can be a compromise in between and that, that the kids and the family aren't sacrificed because I get back to Warren Buffett has always said the smartest thing he ever did is started back way back in the day. He would be hiring and promoting women. He's like, they're, they're, you know, they come, the women I've worked with come with a perspective that are so different from me and they brought so much value to our team. Yeah. Yeah. One of the the other things I saw in the research was the employees have the power. Now the companies don't have the power because um there's there's this huge shift and uh there's more jobs than there are people available or people wanting to work Mm -hmm. so the companies have lost the power in recruiting where before they could say you know anybody you know we were talking about the four wins and i was kind of that was resonating with me with those migrant workers who were like kind of stuck there because they had no choice. And um, that's kind of the company had the control, but now the employees have the control because they have several options. And so companies are having to shift the way they're recruiting and the way they're paying and the way everything, the benefits to, to recruit people. You were talking about the fluff and this was happening this has been happening in it for many years because my brother worked for twitter and we toured twitter when he was working there him and his wife worked there in san francisco and they had everything they served breakfast at this gourmet buffet it was beautiful they served lunch they served dinner they had laundry service they had an arcade they had coffee bars they had alcohol bars they had um a green space outside. I, I was just, my brother was like, you know what? And him and his wife didn't have kids. They could eat. They could live at Twitter aside from a bed. They could do everything they needed to do there. And he said, that's kind of their at this time. Now this was about six years ago. That was their work model because they were competing for jobs. They were competing for employees because all of the tech firms were doing different things to attract employees. And that was what they were doing is making it so you could get everything you needed done at the office. You didn't have to leave. counter to what people want now, which is probably, and I'm speculating, is this why this isn't as important? Because they've realized they'd rather be at home and have flexibility than to have to be in the office all the time. Right. And I will tell you, that's what happened to my brother and his wife. They're like, they were both there for so much time. And then they're like, all right, we're done. We can't do this anymore. And they resigned and they both moved on to something different. And it was about work-life balance and about doing something aside from just working. So they were ahead of the curve. They were ahead of the great resignation. (laughs) And I think, you know, one, I know we're running out of time here. A final thought that I'd make is so often, you know, employers, employees, who's in the driver's seat and using the example of me going back to when I left my longtime career. And if I were to fill out the seven step, I'd find that it wasn't, I wasn't embedded 
I didn't have a high job embeddedness at the time I left. That doesn't make my employer bad. Okay. And I so often see back to firing, moving on to a different job, quitting a job, what have you. It's them against us. Fit doesn't mean one has to be bad. Fit just means that things change in your personal life. The company has changed. For me, it was both. The company grew. I did better in a smaller company. I mean, the company did all kinds of growth things that were many that were good. Not all. Same with me. I changed. They weren't all good, right? I wasn't. Right. But because the fit changes doesn't make, because Twitter keeps giving breakfast and doing their thing and your brother and sister-in-law want to live at home, doesn't make them bad. One right, one wrong, one bad, one good. The fit, the word is fit. It's not there anymore. And I go back right. to your priorities. A company yeah. has to have priorities and the individuals have to have priorities and sometimes right. they don't align. Right. And the company's priority was to recruit people and to keep them there working. That's their priority. And it just, you know, for some people, it was a great fit. They loved it. And I for see others people that are most successful at making changes in their lives are ones that don't get hung up on who's right and who's wrong, who's good and who's bad. They just, you, you'll probably think of people right now that they just talk about, it just wasn't a good fit and they move on. Right. And if there's some advice after we talk through all of this and I hear about Twitter and as we talk out loud, my biggest advice is don't get hung up on who's right and who's wrong. It's okay. And it, it quite frankly, most of the time, 55%, that probably is people that should question whether it's a fit or not. They're just doing that now because COVID happened. Right. That's a normal percentage to be questioning whether there's a fit. The key now is to take the time to assess whether that, that, that gut reaction is correct or not and take action to change it. Yeah. 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 What's next? What's right. next? What's next? Okay. So challenge for today. Do you have any thoughts? Um, I have one very simple challenge. I like simple challenges are good. Okay. Have you listened to the song? The bones are good. No. Okay. I would say go listen to that song. Okay. Because you mentioned that and the lyrics of it by Marin Morris, the bones okay. are good. Go listen to it because part of it, it's about a house falling down, but it's talking about if the bones are good, the house will keep standing. And it's talking about relationships, about like all of the stuff. And I would say, you know, it goes to your work. If you're, if the foundation is a good fit and everything's aligned, the bones are good. All this other little stuff isn't a big problem, right? But this is kind of, I, I don't know. I really enjoy it. The, the lyrics are bones are good. The rest don't matter. Paint could peel. The glass could shatter. Uh, but it's like, baby, I know any storm we're facing will blow right over while we stay put. The house don't fall when the bones are good. So it's kind of a fun little song, Marin Morris. Okay. And um, I enjoy it. Every time I hear it, I was like, that is so true. I'm in, Amy. I've got the Okay. Chance. Listen to the song. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, Sandy. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks, Amy.